2: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I told the players today, nobody wants to go four and eight. I want to get this program to where we're disappointed if we go 8-4. and four. A.D. Uh, Moose, he stood up. He just basically told us that he wants to bring Nebraska back to like the top. He said we, we want to snap that in up there with all the best with the best teams in the country. He said he, he, he didn't go out and go to work. He's going to try to find the best coach out there, best coach available, that can help this team get to where they need to be and where they've been. This table is set as well as any place in the United States in regards to resources, facilities, infrastructure, and fan support. It's all right here. And uh, it's a very appealing position in a very prestigious conference with wonderful leadership. And I'm not including myself. I'm primarily talking about President Bounds and Chancellor Green. I feel privileged to be in that leadership group. And uh, I'm going to find a a real good fit for our next football coach.
3: And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as Nebraska is in the midst of another coaching uh, change. As you just heard from Bill Moose, he let go of Mike Riley after three seasons, a 19-19 and record. As we sit here now um, heading into the weekend, all signs now point to Scott Frost being Nebraska's next head coach. Um, sometime Saturday or Sunday it should be announced is, is kind of the thought process at this point. And I think what's been the most telling thing is the silence out there. I think the fact that there's been no news about Nebraska doing anything on the coaching front, talking to candidates, um, any kind of movement, and then all the other schools backing off of Scott Frost, It's it's been so obvious what's going on, how it's played out, and um, rarely is it this easy but as it sits right now going into the weekend, it appears it has been that easy for Nebraska, Robin.
4: Yeah, you compare that radio silence to the disasters that are going on at other schools, particularly uh, one in Knoxville, Tennessee, right now. Uh, that's definitely a good sign. Uh, that means things are probably going as well as Nebraska could hope. Um, and it's just a matter of when, not if, they're going to have Scott Frost as their next head coach. Um, you know, obviously, this has been kind of an awkward week for Scott. Um, you know, he's coming off. Um, he's, currently in an 11-win season, 11-0, about to play for a conference championship. And basically, the 50% of the questions he's having to ask are uh, about moving on uh, to coach his alma mater. And so, you know, he's handled it pretty well, um, you know, kind of deflecting all the attention towards his team and his players, um, trying to keep the focus on them. Uh, but clearly, this is a situation where uh, everybody already knows what's going to happen, and it's just a matter of getting through the formality of uh, this week.
0: Yeah, in a week where the typical question would be, "Okay, who's who's the athletic director targeting? Who's he interviewing? You know, um, where's he at? Tracking flights and all that stuff." You know, I think the the questions instead are, you know, what's the contract going to be like? When when is it going to be announced? You know, how many coaches is he going to bring with him to Lincoln? Uh, things of that nature. So, in that respect, I mean, this has been a pretty Uh, odd coaching search one that nebraska fans really have not uh, seen uh, when you compare it to the the last few
3: it's just rare as we discussed the potential of scott frost being announced nebraska's next coach this week and it is rare that it it works out like this with timing and and timing is everything in life um, because scott frost had tried to be at nebraska multiple times he wanted To be on Bo Pelini's staff in 2008, Um, and he was turned away because John Papuchis and Mike Eckler already were lined up, and he came in for a meaningless interview. And I I remember talking to him that night. He was not happy about it because he drove in from Northern Iowa, and it was a waste of his time. And then in 2011, he wanted to be the offensive coordinator for Bo Pelini and uh, wanted to call plays. Tim Beck had already been promised the chance to call plays, so that didn't work. Then um, in 2015, um, there were feelers put out to Sean Eichhorst that Frost wanted to be the head coach then. And Eichhorst said thanks, but no thanks. He was going. Eichhorst went against the Osborne regime as much as anybody. He did not want the Osborne guys up there and, and kind of cut out all those people on Pelini's staff that were tied to the past. Um, so here it is, now the fourth time around that Scott Frost has tried to get a job at Nebraska. It looks like everything is timed out where it's going to work.
4: Sean, you just probably made, uh, thousands of people, uh, deep, heavy sigh while listening to that, <laughs> listening to all the times that Nebraska has turned away Scott Frost when he's approached them for a job. Uh, but now it seems like the time is right. Uh, and, you know, what's what's going to be um, interesting is how he assembles, uh, you know, the staff around him. You know, there are a lot of other Nebraska connections um, currently working with him um, that but probably could have jobs. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, Troy Walters is offensive coordinator. Um, he's not really getting mentioned for any of these head coaching jobs. And so, you know, there's probably a really chance he could follow him and you're talking about an offense that is the highest scoring offense in the country averaging over 500 yards a game Uh, that's going to excite a lot of people so definitely um, you know I think you you said the timing is finally right and the stars have finally aligned to where Scott Frost not, not only is the you know one of the hottest coaching names in college football right now but the table is set for him to take over Nebraska finally after years of waiting
0: well, and I think one thing that's not getting talked about a whole lot is is the job that Bill Moose has done here since since being hired, and and just how well he's handled everything. Um, you know, I think we'll find out a lot more details about everything once once Scott Frost is eventually uh, named. But I mean it seems like his the way he's handled everything has just been impeccable I, you can't really criticize any move that he's made to this point and, and that has definitely not been the case in the past you, you've you've seen athletic directors like Steve Peterson fumble and bumble uh, the the coaching search and uh, and we just talked about iCourse uh, doing the same type of thing so um, I think moose had had a clear vision and and he's gone out and executed it uh, flawlessly so far do
4: you guys think if Twitter was a thing thing back in 2004 or whatever Nebraska would be viewed as Tennessee is being viewed right now with all the misses they had before they finally ended up with Bill Callahan
3: I can't complain too much about uh, (laughs) 2004 or three because that's why our site became what it became and we we were the Twitter for Husker fans and and Steve Peterson's handling of the Frank Solid situation is why the Rivals.com Nebraska site grew to what it became today. he said
4: it, Peterson never did anything right? So he,
3: he basically launched our business, <laughs> hired Bill Callahan, which got coaches, got fans interested in recruiting for the very, very first time. So, um yeah, it was a bad deal for Nebraska, but he did launch our business. So I'll, I'll give Steve Peterson those <laughs> the props on that.
4: Yeah, the, you know, guy got a lot of hack for you know the job he did here. But uh, we were all we weren't all losers in that deal.
3: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus as we discuss the situation with Nebraska uh, this weekend. And guys, I, I think the timeline is all we're kind of trying to figure out now at this point. How and when does this all go down? And we've seen reports, tweets, everyone's got a source. Everybody knows a guy that knows a guy. Um, but the hurdle for Frost is telling his team that he's leaving, and that's never an easy thing to do. You can go back to years ago when Glenn Mason was the coach at Kansas. He accepted the Georgia job. And then he couldn't tell his players he was leaving, and he stayed at Kansas. Um, So I'm not saying that's going to happen this weekend, but that is a hurdle that a lot of coaches have trouble with. Um, You saw Dana Altman accept the Arkansas job and then come back to Creighton um, after the press conference. So just telling your players face-to-face you're leaving – is a very emotional thing that Frost is going to have to cross
4: here still Robin. And I do think that's something that's, you know, held him up in this deal. Um he's a guy who's very close with his players and especially at a program like that where when he took over, they were coming off an 0-12 season and were a complete train wreck. Two years later, he's built that thing into a top 15 program nationally. And so you don't just leave that without feeling uh, a lot of emotions there. And so clearly this is something that he's had to battle with um, and then makes this week even more difficult for him, you know, because they're going for, uh, to try and complete one of the best seasons they've ever had. And all people want to talk about is him leaving and moving on to bigger, greener pastures. So um, yeah, I think that that's Definitely, um, probably the toughest deal for him in this situation because all every other reason uh, makes total sense for him to leave, except uh, for leaving the guys that you know have helped him you know become what he is today in the coaching ranks.
0: Yeah, and I think the season that they're having is what really makes it even more difficult because they're undefeated and they're they're playing for a conference championship. You don't want to you don't want to be the reason why they fall short of finishing an undefeated regular season. So. Um, you know, that, that only adds to the pressure. It's never easy to, to cut ties and say goodbye, but, um, you don't want to be the reason why, you know, maybe that season is completely tainted.
3: Well, we got a full show here on tap, as we discuss the future of Nebraska football and the potential hire of Scott Frost this weekend. Uh, we're going to be joined next in our, 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 following two segments by Brandon Helwig. He is the publisher of UCFsports.com, the rivals.com affiliate for central Florida he has covered the Knights for 20 years. Travels on the road to all the road games. Um, so we talked with we'll talk with Brandon about a number of topics, and he was so good. We uh, we're going to have him for two segments on the show. So uh, that's next as uh, Brandon Helwig will join us here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
2: You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Your authority on Nebraska athletics. All right here, welcome back to the
3: Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here as we continue the Scott Frost Watch and Lincoln, this this segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln. It's your place to be to watch college football this weekend, NFL football on Sunday, but... Uh, as we continue the the discussion um, about Scott Frost and what's next, we wanted to bring in one of our colleagues at Rivals.com, Brandon Helwig. He's the publisher, owner of UCFsports.com. He's covered Central Florida athletics for nearly 20 years and has a better handle, arguably, on this situation than anyone, Brandon. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show. And and, and, and secondly, what, what can you tell us? I mean, what's the feel out there right now?
1: Uh, well, the feel is that this is kind of like a long goodbye, um, you know, it, it's been kind of a strange week, you know, the fact that UCF is still playing football and the fact that, you know, what's on the table, UCF is one of the last two remaining undefeated teams and college football, the other being Wisconsin, just to the nature of conference affiliation and where UCF is not really in the mix for the playoff. But this is really the most exciting season in UCF football history. Uh, finish, finishing off the uh, regular season 11-0 and last week with a, a win against the arch rival USF in an in a, in a incredible atmosphere game that was on ABC on Black Friday national TV. And now they're getting ready to play Memphis in the American Athletic Conference championship game on Saturday. But, you know, the whispers that were, you know, already there throughout the month of November are, you know, pretty much screaming right now. And, and you know, Frost, himself um you know has tried to keep the attention and the focus on his football team right now but you know really hasn't worked uh comments he's made throughout the week uh first at a press conference the Rayleigh scheduled press conference we have on mondays and you know even just now today he gave a radio interview that you know pretty much didn't come right out and say it but in other ways he did it's pretty much his farewell to UCF and so that's kind of where the focus is from from our standpoint is this distracting to the players you know as they get ready for such a huge game there's a lot on the line winner of the UCF Memphis championship game will go to New Year's Six Bowl most likely the Peach Bowl in Atlanta which would be a huge accomplishment and people were kind of wondering is this going to impact that but you know from from what we can see and 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 what's going on? It's it's not a matter of, of, of if, it's just a matter of the whole timing of, of how it goes down. We're talking to
3: UCF Sports publisher Brandon Helwig of the Rivals.com network here about the Scott Frost situation in Orlando and um when did you realize, Brandon, I mean, that this was a possibility? I mean, was there a point this season? where you're like, man, uh, Frost has turned it around quickly, and and no matter what, he's probably going to go. And Did you always think it was going to be Nebraska, or did did you think at one time maybe a team like Florida uh, could could be the team that swoops him up?
1: No, you know, if it's funny because, you know, a lot of people, you know, and, and I mean, I'm sure everyone listening is familiar with Scott Frost and his background. It's He's not the same as all these other coaches. It's not, you know, not necessarily about the money. He's not chasing a paycheck or anything like that. And, you know, a lot of people around UCF, they were concerned, but I think they were concerned of of more of what, you know, that Frost had, had said in the past, you know, he wants to – he wants to be able to recruit athletes to his system, And so to a lot of people, they thought, you know, when Florida opened, they're like, well, you know, we think that's more of a concern than than Nebraska. And just, you know, it's a lot more complicated, I guess, so to speak when you're in Lincoln and you got to go to, you know, Texas, California, Florida, wherever it is to try to get athletes, as opposed to if you're, you know, UCF, you can get them at, at one level. But if you're at Florida, you can pretty much, pick-and-choose speed from the entire state to fill out your roster. So there was – in all honesty, there was more concern about Florida. Um, but, you know, obviously that has changed. You know, he, he shut – from what I understand, he he didn't even want to engage Florida what, whatsoever. He shut that down before it got started, and it was basically – from what I understand, just kind of echo what I said a, a moment ago, he's trying to conduct this hey, – I know there's reports saying – you know, it's a done deal, and, and 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 this and that, and and while I I expect him to be Nebraska's head coach, I I believe him at his word and what he's told people that he's waiting until after this upcoming game to meet with Nebraska. and He'll make a final decision then. I think people are getting a little too excited and and trying to say, oh, you know, there's been I know there's been reports, oh, there's it's been a done deal for months and all that stuff. No, I think he's trying to do the the right thing here, but. Um, yeah, it's just right now, it's just kind of, you know, from our, our perspective, <laughs> we're just wondering how it impacts it. It kind of, uh, to me anyway, I was going back and thinking, when is this situation going to happen before? In 2011, uh, Kevin Sumlin at, at, at Houston, this book, was kind of out the door. as They were undefeated and getting ready for a championship game. Their team was distracted. They ended up losing, uh, playing at a lower bowl game, and he was gone a few days later. So people are just hoping it's not a repeat result of that. We're, talk, we're talking to Brandon Helwig here of UCFsports.com
3: about the Scott Frost situation um, a, a, as you kind of look at this. Um, w- but when, when, when you guys brought – I mean, Danny White, like h- how is he reacting? Because as an athletic director, this is not an easy spot for him to be in because he, he wants an answer because the recruiting calendar in December now on December 20th, as, as he kind of goes through the situation, how is he handling this and maybe trying to get his ducks in a row?
1: Yeah, from what we uh, we understand about him, you know, he's he's understanding and you know of everything Frost is going through with this decision. That said, I mean, I know he sees the writing on the wall, and and from what I understand, he's doing everything he can do, short of Frost saying I'm out, you know, to take the proper steps of finding a coach a- ASAP. I, you know, I don't know the timing of of how it'll go down and you know if i guess i guess say if because i guess nothing's official till it's official but you know I, I do expect ucf to move very very quickly um i know they're doing the proper stuff search firm all that stuff just kind of vet different candidates i know there's reports Yeah, it's it's not unique i know this is almost a similar situation it appears anyway jimbo fisher at Florida State right now, there's you know growing rumblings that he's going to be going to Texas A&M. People kind of forget Florida State still so they have another game this week and they had their rescheduled hurricane game against Louisiana Monroe. And so it's sort of the same thing that you know, and behind the scenes, different schools are vetting candidates and and getting ready to move because they expect you know you know a lot of these dominoes to fall you know shortly after this Saturday.
3: Yeah, what do you think will happen um if Frost leaves, though? Do you think that they'll go on the outside or do you think someone like a Troy Walters or somebody internally on that UCF staff could replace Frost?
1: From what I understand, I would imagine UCF goes outside. Um, you know, just someone that, you know, has some possibly has head coaching experience. Um you know, I don't know if there's a strong internal candidate. I, I think Troy Walters, who you mentioned, is the offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach. I I have heard he could perhaps be the interim coach for a bowl game, but that's you know kind of early to to really say right now before anything officially happens. I think I think what people are are more maybe concerned slash worried about is you know if frost is to leave you know shortly after saturday and you know UCF is going to a bowl game it could potentially be a big bowl, a, a peach bowl, maybe against the, comp, uh, possibly against the SEC conference championship game loser, you know, what would happen in terms of a, of a skeleton crew staff for the bowl game to prepare for that? Cause with this day and age with early signing period, I mean, it's not realistic for, I don't think UCF would want him to. I, I know if, if Frost makes a commitment to Nebraska, you know, he's going to start that job immediately. I would imagine and start recruiting with is just a short time period before that early signing period would 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 Frost kind of do it alone in, in terms of, you know, because I do expect – I would expect several, if not most, of his UCF staff members to eventually join him at Nebraska. The question is, would any of those guys join him immediately and then leave UCF? That's kind of one of those factors that, you know, a lot of us are kind of wondering right now. All right,
3: Brandon, and we can, we're we going to take a break here. but we come back, we're going to pick up this conversation about Frost's staff, and and I wanted to get your insight on maybe some names and guys – uh, that could come with them and, and, and your thoughts on all that. So uh, we'll bring Brandon back in, but we're going to take a break here. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker
2: Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to
3: the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, and we're still joined by Brandon Hellwig of UCFSports.com as we discuss the situation with Scott Frost at Central Florida as they play an 11 a.m. Central time game in Orlando against Memphis. Brandon, wh- what is your best estimation on this timeline? We've seen reports by guys like Lars Anderson and other people, and we've talked about this. The, the Maybe the biggest hurdle still to cross for Scott Frost is how and when he tells his football team this news. And that is sometimes one of the hardest things. We've seen this over the years. Glenn Mason, years ago when he was at Kansas, could not tell his football team he was leaving them to go to Georgia. He stayed at Kansas. Uh, I'm not saying that's gonna happen with Scott Frost in this situation, but it is a difficult thing for coaches to do to tell their team.
1: Yeah and and that that's the thing I it may honestly depend on what the outcome is on Saturday you know I, I know from people who are friends with Frost and see him every day and talk with him that he is incredibly torn about this and and maybe it's not torn in, in the fact that you know he probably knows what final decision he's going to make he's torn in, in how he's going to leave this team and how he's going to tell these players I mean, he's only been here two years. He's, you know, a lot, a lot of these players are really here just because of Scott Frost. You know, a quarterback, um, McKenzie Milton, came 4,000-plus miles away from Hawaii to specifically play for Scott Frost. You know, that's one of those stories that, you know, I'm sure you guys over in Nebraska maybe will hear more about, you know, he'll, he'll find players for his system wherever they are. And Mackenzie Milton, you know, was a smart quarterback, didn't have a whole lot of recruiting interest nationally, but had, been a fan of Oregon because of Marcus Mariota, obviously being from the island and had gone to Oregon camps and, and the head coach at the time in Oregon, Mark Helfrich, wouldn't greenlight the offer. Frost loved him. He wanted him in Oregon. And so as soon as he got to UCF, he's like, you know, remember me, you know, I'd love to have a year. I'm, I'm a head coach now. And he signed right up to, to, to come to UCF. So it's going to be very difficult for him to, to look those guys in the eye and, and tell them that he's leaving. So that's what I, I don't know. I mean, if UCF, loses maybe it's a little easier in terms of you know no it's it's disappointing you're not going to that new year's six bowl game if ucf wins then you know completes the conference championship um i have a hard time frost wanting to take the attention away from what the team accomplished you you know what i'm saying is it's it's it would the whole day i mean i'm sure if anyone watched watches the broadcast, they're going to be talking I'm sure ad nauseum non-stop about Frost going to Nebraska, et cetera. But just for him to kind of take the headlines away from what the team accomplished, that would be a 12-0 season. I tend to think that he would at least wait a day to, to, to do that. I mean, I don't know. That's just how I look at the situation. I don't I would be shocked if UCF wins and, you know, 10 minutes later, he says, I'm out of here. Um, but I don't know. It's one of those things that I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens.
3: We're talking to Brandon Helwig here of UCF as we discuss the Scott Frost situation. And we've talked about his staff and, 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 and kind of that situation. Um, if you were to guess right now, Brandon, what guys do you think are are near locks to follow Scott Frost to Lincoln?
1: Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. I, um, I know there's obviously several... Uh, coaches that have n- Nebraska ties, and I would assume that all of those guys would get an opportunity to to follow on to, to Lincoln. I think first and foremost, uh, UCF's defensive coordinator Eric Schneider. You know, he's not a guy with the n- Nebraska ties, but he's from Iowa. Uh, I think it was a walk on in Iowa, played one year for Hayden Fry uh, before he retired, and he's he's been uh, he's been the first time defensive coordinator here at UCF. He's done an amazing job. Uh, players love playing for him, without a doubt. You know, he's I don't know how many best friends Frost has, two or three, but he's one of them. He's a the guy that I fully expect will be, you know, if Frost does end up going, will be Nebraska's defensive coordinator. He's probably UCF's top recruiter as well. Um there were several other guys. Ryan Held is a guy who I know played on, on some of those late 90s teams for you guys up there, and, um, you know, he's been coaching running backs. He recruits the junior colleges. Being a former junior college head coach, I would expect he would have some sort of staff capacity. Greg Austin um, is the offensive line coach. Has done an amazing job. That's That's one position if you look at the team that – is the reason that UCF is, un, is undefeated right now is how he continued to develop and get those guys to, to understand the transition. It's really the same guys from last year of what was, yeah, first season it's going to be, you know, nothing's going to be clicking on all cylinders, but he's done an amazing job. I would expect he would have an, an opportunity as well. Uh, Barrett rude. Um, I know you you guys are very familiar with the name. He's, um, I forget what his title has been. Maybe he's been a defensive consultant, quality control, whatever whatever that that name is. But I know if if nothing was going on with the staff, uh, the the NCAA is allowing a a 10th assistant coach full-time for the next year, and he would have been one of those guys you know, I guess they would have called him outside linebackers coach or, or something like that or inside. I'm not sure what position they would have had him, in, but I'm sure he'll have an opportunity there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, some of these other staff members. Um, I'm not positive, um, but I would imagine. Well, and the other guy i neglect to mention is the strength coach, Zach Duvall. Uh, he's a Nebraska guy with ties as well. I know he's got family in, in the state. Uh, he had been at Wyoming and and Buffalo prior to coming here to UCF. And I know without a doubt, that'll be Nebraska's new strength coach. If Ross does officially decide.
3: When you look at the, the turnaround he did, I mean, did it come as a surprise this season in general? Like what were your preseason expectations of this team, uh, compared to what it is right now?
1: Well, kind of with the way, yeah, it was a turnaround last year. UCF had a six and six regular season, kind of snuck into a bowl game. Um, had a pretty bad bowl game against Arkansas State. Got beat in that one. Um, just, but with the way the offense looked, it, it was the defense that carried the team last year. I mean, the to say the offense was a work in progress last year probably was maybe too nice of a statement. It, it did not really look all that great, and it definitely didn't look like we knew what Scott Frost's vision was for it. You know, I think we just naturally thought it would be a slower uh, progression. We thought there'd be a big improvement. Um, but I mean, I, a lot of us in the media were thinking, you know, maybe that means something like an eight and four, you know, some somewhere like somewhere like that, you know, a lot, you know, a lot better perhaps competing for the for the division. But to sit here and say UCF would have reeled off an undefeated season, or even something like, you know, maybe a, a ten and one or something like that, you know, we're pretty surprised. Um, UCF does have one less game this year. There was a hurricane that rolled through. Unfortunately, it, it canceled the Georgia Tech game. Um, yeah, I don't know if that game would have ended up differently I mean, defending that option is hard to do. UCF did beat Navy later in the year. But yeah, we, you know, as every week that's gone by, I mean, UCF has pretty much dominated the majority of games. This was this last week against rival USF was one of the more competitive back and forth games. UCF really hasn't trailed in hardly any games. They've been up, uh, you know, by so many points that, you know, the starters haven't even played in the fourth quarter. So, you know, just how to see how they've dominated on offense, number one rated scoring offense, it's just – it's been amazing. You just have to pinch yourself sometimes to see how these guys are are, are clicking. Uh, they're doing it in the run game, pass, the passing game. It's, you know, his star, you know, if, everyone knows that, that Nebraska, you know, is was eventually going to be his dream job. But with what he was able to do in one year, I mean, I know he shut down other opportunities that – Right now, Frost, if he wanted to, he could have been at Florida if Florida State Open. He could have been there. And, you know, I guess the only question is, I think, from my opinion, in Nebraska is how, is how quickly can he do that, and can he recruit the athletes to do that at another level, being, being the, the Big Ten. But from what we've seen this year, I think Nebraska fans should be pretty excited about what will happen in the next few years. And
3: lastly, Brandon, as we wrap it up here, what will Scott Frost be remembered for the most here, um, if, assuming he leaves in his two seasons here at UCF?
1: I you know I just turned around the 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 UCF program you know it was it was a it was a very good program under George O'Leary was had been inconsistent at times but you know the latter years um, you know with Blake Bortles in 2013 won a Fiesta Bowl against Baylor followed it up with another conference championship the next year but you know Will's completely fell off in 2015 a lot of injuries. You know, Frost, um, O'Leary was, you know, everyone kind of knew he wasn't going to be around much longer. It started to affect recruiting. And UCF went 0-12. So, I mean, that was quite a, you know, quite a drop from the penthouse to the outhouse going from a fiestable, you know, season to, to you know, a couple years later being 0-12. Just the fact that, you know, Frost came in. And, you know, for UCF fans, a lot of them didn't know a, a coach other than O'Leary. He had been there so long. And, and, you know, just everything was fresh and new and younger. And, stuff like playing music at practice and just the vibe was completely different, completely turnaround from the old, the old school coach that had been O'Leary. And, you know, I think, I, you know, it, like I said, any exit, whether it's a free agent, you know, professional sports player or a coach, you know, sometimes fans, they, you know, get irrational and upset, you know, why would this person leave us and stuff like that? So I know some that is going on on message boards right now, but I think at the end of the day, you know, I think it'll make a difference if you can still win on Saturday, but I think people will be very appreciative of what Frost has done. He set up whoever the next coach would be. It's a, great position. It's a young roster. Whoever comes in is going to be set up to win a lot of games next year. So I think when it's all said and done, when all the dust settles, everyone will be very appreciative of what Frost did here at UCF.
3: Well, Brandon, we appreciate the time here. I know you are in the midst of covering a championship game and a potential coaching change. So uh, your weekend has just begun, my (laughs) friend. So good, good luck with everything out there this weekend all right man thank you very much all right when we come back on the show uh matt Reynoldson will join us and david or uh, nate and uh robin as we'll take your questions here in the mailbag that's next year you're listening to the husker online show
2: this is husker online your authority on nebraska athletics
4: i'd be hurt if nebraska wasn't interested in me we're we're undefeated i'm from there I, i when you win a lot of people are interested in you that doesn't matter like I said, what matters is these players and what they've accomplished, and they deserve the focus to be on them and
3: not me. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, and that was UCF head coach Scott Frost at his weekly press conference uh, when asked to talk about the speculation of Nebraska um, contacting him, being interested in him, and a very candid response. And you know, you, you just heard from Brandon Helwig. Uh, Frost has more or less said his goodbyes Everybody's expecting this to play out It's a matter of just how and when Well this is the mailbag segment Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus Husker Online intern, Matt Reynoldson. A lot of questions, Matt, in the mailbag Where do you want to start?
5: A whole lot of Frost questions But before we jump into the Frost specifics On a scale of 1-10 to 10, How amused are you by this year's coaching carousel?
3: It's got to be up there I mean we've seen some crazy ones But I, I would put it up on a close to a 10. I mean, cause just the Tennessee situation followed by Jimbo Fisher um, and what's happened at Florida state and A&M. And um, it's, it's been Brett Bielema being fired, walking off the field. I mean, you, you've seen it all. Then Mike Riley being able to have an exit press conference. I mean, it, it's been about as nuts, of a cycle as we've seen in a long time
4: yeah it's been the silliest of silly seasons and then the what's made it the best ever is lane kiffin basically narrating it through his twitter account and being maybe the funniest coach on social media right now
0: well and, and the crazy thing is is that round two is is going to kick up here pretty soon you know once once these uh high profile jobs are are settled in and and those other jobs that those coaches left are now open um you know round two is going to happen and uh, and really all of this is happening because the early signing day in my in my opinion so yep. um, yeah, I think that we're only going to continue to see this as the years go. Getting into the
5: Frost specifics in the mailbag, which quarterbacks on the roster fit most into the Frost scheme? Do you see him do you see one of them starting or do you see Frost going Juco or grad transfer to get one of his guys?
3: It's just so hard to, to put it all together at this point but I think, I believe Tanner Lee will probably go pro if I had a to guest today and I think O'Brien and Jebbia both can play in it. Um, I know Tristan was an All-State point guard or a very good high school point guard, so he's athletic. He's not just a pocket guy. He can run. He can move. Um, they both have the arm talent to do it. So I think. And then you, know, you you look at Terry Wilson. I know he's interested in wanting to come back to Nebraska. A lot will depend on kind of what the situation is. You hear rumors of Joe Burrow being a grad transfer. The Noah Vedral, Scott's number two right now. Um, could end up transferring here as well to follow Frost and sit out this year but maybe he could be here for the spring to teach the other quarterbacks the system so it's going to be very fun to watch this quarterback uh, thing play out as far as what happens
4: Yeah, you can probably talk about this more but I'm sure they'll bring in at least one guy The, to, to add to that quarterback group uh, especially like Sean I agree with you I think Tanner Lee's gone um, after this year but I do think like you said Patrick O'Brien interest in Jebbia could easily run this offense um, probably especially Jebbia I think that he would be an excellent fit with his mobility but Patrick O'Brien is more mobile than a lot of people gave him credit for and we saw that against Minnesota so I think both those guys are certainly more than capable it's going to be a matter of do they see themselves as fits because they're going to have options to move on. I'll go back to the West Coast, I'm sure. Um, So it'll be interesting to see once this thing finally goes down, um, you know, what the pitch is and kind of how the coaches see those guys fitting in within the offense.
0: Yeah. Patrick O'Brien in high school actually ran, you know, kind of a spread zone read uh, offense. I think as a junior, he rushed for over 600 yards and as a senior, a little over 500 yards. So um, you know, and then with with Jebbia, he's more athletic than most people give him credit for. Uh, but you never really got to see it because he was throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game um, and racking up just ridiculous amounts of uh, passing yards. But I think both those guys would be more incapable of, of running the system. Um, and I do think that Frost will go out and try to get uh, one of his guys in this class, to, to if, if not for next year, to, the, to kind of put in the pipeline to, to come up in the ranks. You're listening
3: here to the Oscar Alliance Show. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Matt Reynoldson.
0: You guys were talking a little bit about Tanner Lee and the
5: possibility of him leaving. Well, another player that Nebraska might expect to leave is Stanley Morgan, the wide receiver who just garnered second-team All-Big Ten honors. So that guy, number one, wants to know if Stanley got hosed on the All-Big Ten teams not being on the first team. I,
3: I I think he did a little bit. I mean, statistically... He warrants one of the top two spots in this league. And you could make a case. This was probably one of the worst years of receivers in the Big Ten. And Robin and I saw this coming back in June. We did ranking the Big Ten. Uh, There were no good receivers coming back in this league. Um, And particularly, it's Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, the the three Blue Bloods in, in the East. None of those teams had any top guys coming back. So this was the year Nebraska Probably could have or should have got a first-team All Big Ten guy.
4: Yeah, looking at the the guys that did make it, Simi Cobb's from Indiana. I mean, he's a pro. Uh, I, I don't really have any qualms with that. I didn't. I'll be admit I didn't get to watch DJ Moore, uh, the other first-teamer from Maryland. Uh, so I. I'm ignorant as to, you know, whether his case was strong enough. But uh, to Stanley's point, he could have done a lot to help bolster his case, but he dropped a lot of passes. And he struggled to get off the line in coverage that affected some of the timing on those routes. And so, yes, he put out, uh, you know, some of the best numbers in Nebraska football history, but they should have, and he'll probably be the first one to tell you that, been even better uh, had he not made some of those mistakes with just dropping passes and, you know, running bad routes.
0: Yeah, I think there was a stretch of probably three or four games where he was pretty banged up and that, that kind of impacted his play. But I also think that if Nebraska were 8-4 and four instead of 4-8, and eight, that he may have snuck up there and, and snagged that first team uh, selection there. So I don't know.
4: Um, and they
3: were getting beat so bad in a lot of games, you th- you're just going to throw up more. And he was getting targeted like 16 times a game yeah. here down the stretch.
4: So, yeah. I mean, like I said, he had plenty of opportunity to put up those numbers, but my case is he probably should have been even better. Two-part question about
5: future under Frost. If Frost comes in, do you think Cam Juergens stays at tight end, and do you think Nebraska goes after more in-state targets?
3: I think with Juergens, a lot of it depends on how he heals, how he comes back, how his weight stays. and um, Because this is a very serious injury he suffered, and we don't even know all the details. But when you break your leg um, or ankle like he did, um, there's a lot of unknown that we just have to see here down the stretch, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he moved to defense. As for other in-state guys, I think Milton Sarball from Omaha North intrigues me um, as somebody in Nebraska Nate's going to look at. Um, he's gonna, he kind of, you know, any, any guy that makes the state finals, um, you're on NET on the statewide screen like he was. You can kind of win yourself an offer, and I think Sarball might have done that with the way he played in that championship game.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I think that. Um, if you look at anybody in the state that, that kind of compares favorably to Killins uh, of UCF's running back that's real speedy guy it would probably be Milton Sarbaugh um, Now he's not the biggest guy but he is he is definitely dangerous on the football field uh, extremely productive and a tough kid too um, you know as far as Cameron Jorgens goes, I do think that he'll probably stay stay at tight end Uh, But that could be up for change, you know, once he gets on campus. And and actually, like you said, Sean is healed from that injury. And you see exactly how he comes back from that and and how he keeps growing. Because I'll tell you what, every time I see the kid, I feel like he's getting a little bit bigger. So um, it's hard telling exactly what what his final weight and size is going to be. But I think he stays at tight end initially.
5: One last question here in the mailbag. If John Curry called you right now, the Tennessee athletic director, would you take the Tennessee head coaching job?
3: <laughs> what a mess! Just what a, I mean. And and you, you heard all about John Curry from Kansas State um, and 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 his riffs with Bill Snyder. And there's a theory out there from Kevin Keatsman, um, a longtime voice in the Kansas City radio market, that it was John Curry that leaked the Brett McMurphy stuff. That McMurphy, you know, reported how it was going to be. Um, uh Levitt, Jim Levitt was going to be the successor to Snyder and it was blocked by Bill Snyder. Um so yeah, this guy is, is a disaster and I will be surprised if John Curry is at Tennessee by this time next year.
4: Yeah, I would probably stay as far as away from Knoxville as I possibly could. But the good news is if you take the job and you don't do well like Lane Kiffin, you can get a sewage center named after you. So I mean <laughs> you know, what 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 could possibly go wrong there? I mean it's a win win. I'm taking the job,
0: and I knowing full well that I'm going to be run out of town uh, in short order, and I'm going to have a nice little uh, severance package uh, coming my way. So, heck yeah, I'm taking that job. All
3: right. Well, thanks, Matt. Um, when we come back, we're going to close the show uh, with some recruiting talk. Uh, Nate Klaus and our team, has had a, they've had a chance to speak with pretty much all of Nebraska's nine commits. We'll get Nate's thoughts on where things sit with them. That's
2: next here. You're listening to the Oscar Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: Final segment here of the program as we have talked a lot of Scott Frost and, and the potential of him being announced this weekend as Nebraska's next head coach. Now we're going to talk some recruiting. as Sean Callahan here with now Nate Klaus. And, Nate, it's it's been kind of about as good of a week as you could hope for Nebraska, at least at this point. Um, no news is good news on the recruiting trail right now. And I was, you know, encouraged when I read the comments, um, from the staff, we, we were able to get really almost all of the commits to make a comment about the situation. And every single one of them to a man is almost taking kind of a wait and see approach. And, and that's quite frankly, probably, uh, the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's the right thing to do to, to at least see how things are going to play out, who, you know, if there's going to be any coaches that are retained and, and you know, what type of system is going to be run, so on and so forth. Um, you know, the the bad thing is, even though it's been quiet this week, um, you know, you know, coaches have been stopping by the schools. You, they've been doing in-home visits uh, with some of the guys and, you Um, you know, so I think that, uh, once an announcement does come, you know, that head coach and, and, uh, obviously probably Scott Frost and his staff, they're going to have to, to kind of hit the ground running and, and make up for some lost time here this week though.
3: You're listening here to the Oscar online show, Sean Callahan and a as We discussed the latest in recruiting and, you know, I think most of these guys know it's going to be frost right now. What is, I mean, have you been able to get any just back channel discussion from any, uh, any of these guys, you know, if it is him, their thoughts on maybe the whole direction of
0: things? Yeah, so, I mean, if it is Frost, which which it all sounds like it's going to be, um, you know, I think most of the guys that I've talked with about it, I haven't talked with all the uh, the commits about Frost specifically, but it's, and a lot of these guys have actually brought it up to me, like, uh, that if it is Scott Frost, that, that they would be excited about that. Uh, they've followed – um, you know, his season there, they know he's undefeated. They know that he's from Oregon and what type of offense he runs. Um, You know, and and I think that they they also know that he's a Nebraska guy and they won a national championship at Nebraska. So there's a a lot that that these guys, you know, say that they like at least about Scott Frost. But obviously, um, you know, it's going to come down to getting him and and the assistants in their living rooms with the parents, with maybe even the high school coaches, and answering some questions and kind of feeling some things out. Because I think until you have Scott Frost in your living room and and you have – of, kind of spending a, a dinner and, and a night, kind of talking about things and, and seeing how everything's going to go and what the vision is for the future. Um, you know, there's still going to be some questions there, and, and I think once that happens, then you will see some guys be completely solidified.
3: Yeah, the one interesting thing that we just don't know yet, either Nate, is how many of Mike Riley's former coaches could be retained and. You know, when you look at uh, Keith Williams, Dante Williams, even John Peralta Trent Bray, I mean, those are the four names, I think, on the table mm-hmm. And, and I feel like nobody has an idea or, you know, there's been nothing told to any of these guys, at least they're not saying anything, um, if they even have a chance at this point.
0: Yeah, right now, they're everybody's kind of in the dark, or, you know, as to what's going to happen or if they'll have a shot at even getting an interview, let alone being kept on. So, um, you know, I think the the overwhelming sentiment from those coaches is that they'd like to stay at Nebraska. Uh, I, I know that the their recruits and their targets would like them to stay at Nebraska, too. And I'll say that that if you did if you do see a guy like Keith Williams or Dante Williams or even John Perella, at Nebraska, I think that you can pretty much guarantee that you won't see any decommitments. And I think that you'll see Nebraska be able to stay in on a lot of their targets that have already taken official visits and already think highly of Nebraska. Um, Whereas if if some of those guys or none of those guys are retained, um, you know, you'll lose some of those relationships. And I just don't know if there's enough time for a, a new staff to completely build up new relationships with a lot of those targets. Would
3: you be shocked, Nate, if at least one wasn't retained?
0: I would be, because history tells us that – that usually you keep at least one coach during a transition. Um, you know, I, I mean, g- you go all the way back through all the all the different transitions that Nebraska has had uh, since the firing of Frank Solich. You know, uh, Bill Callahan kept Turner Gill and Scott Downing. Um, you know, Bo Pelini. Uh, Sean Watson. Yeah, Sean Watson and Ted Gilmore. Um, even Mike Riley re- retained Charlton Warren until... For about Warren, a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, until Warren ended up getting... A, a job from uh, Larry Fedora to go to North Carolina. But th- that's what the plan was. And Charlton Warren was out on the road recruiting and, and uh, was doing very well for Mike Riley for a period of time. So, um, yeah, history kind of tells us that, that you keep at least one or two guys um, it, it, and really it comes down to being able to help with recruiting and and also being being able to help with uh, with the team I mean those guys know the landscape of the team they know what the roster is like and, and what the what the climate is like inside that locker room so on and so forth so um, and even Scott Frost when he went to UCF he he retained two uh, pl- you know two coaches from that staff too so we'll see what happens um, I, I don't think there's any guarantees by any means but I would be surprised if he didn't see at least one guy retained
3: it be interesting to Nate um, because I, I think they're going to have two weeks. So essentially, whoever the coaches are, are going to get two cracks at visiting these nine commits before the December 20th signing day. Like, is there a goal in your mind? You're like, all right, if Nebraska can sign this many guys in December, this would be successful.
0: Well, obviously, the goal is to sign all the early enrollees and keep all those guys in the boat. Uh, which I, I think, out of the nine commits, five of them are. Um, you know, de- at least right now, s- deciding to enroll early, set to graduate early. Uh, so if, if that happens, I think that's kind of the best-case scenario. Uh, but if they could sign any more than five, uh, that would be kind of uh, you know the cherry on top there. Um, it would make you feel real good about things going forward and would would allow Nebraska to kind of really dial in on, on filling out the rest of this class and the rest of its needs in January moving towards the, the February signing day. Yeah, and they
3: have 18 openings now, and we're assuming – Keishon Johnson Jr. doesn't come back with that 18. If he does, it'd be 17. But you've got a Tanner Lee. You've got a Stanley Morgan potential. I mean, really, this could be over 20 openings. But I I believe you want to maybe hold a couple for transfers or other types of things that could happen um, after the recruiting cycle.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's always kind of a dangerous roll the dice. I I, I agree with what you're saying. I I think that uh, it would be wise for them to hit the transfer market and to be able to have room to bring in a guy or two. But I also think that after spring ball plays out that you probably will see another guy or two leave from the team uh, which may open up a couple spots for transfers too so um, you know I, I, I lean more towards maximizing uh, the the space that you have for signing day and then you know if, if there's a couple guys that maybe seem to be on the fence or who aren't buying in or, or, or who obviously see the writing on the wall that they're not going to be factoring into the equation uh, after spring ball then you know maybe 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 you could kind of help give them a nudge out to make, you know, room for a transfer or two.
3: And processing guys is harder than it's you very think. very hard. Because I don't care what you say. Nebraska can't just be like, you're not going to play, pack your bags, leave. It doesn't work like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to have another place to go. And that's the difference between when an SEC school processes a lot of these guys, typically – their schools will find a pretty good plan B for most of their process guys where some of the guys here that are that they would like to maybe move on or get rid of just don't have a quality next option so it's hard for a guy like that to say I'm leaving to go to a division two school or go somewhere even lower.
0: Yeah, it is hard uh, especially I mean stu- I mean let's face it student athletes um, while they maybe don't get um, you know en- enough, or or as much as what maybe they deserve they're still taken care of pretty well um and and if you're on the team and you're you know not maybe a a, you know producer or, or don't put a whole lot of uh, you know, time in on 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 the field on Saturdays, and you you know you might have it made. So maybe you don't want to leave. So, um, but as a coaching staff, I think all you can really do is kind of put the writing on the wall. Uh, you can make it very difficult during winter conditioning. I know that's what Bill Callahan did uh, when he came in. You know, at 5 a.m. running sessions uh, uh, where they would in the Cook Pavilion. I mean, those those were kind of uh tapings were at like 4 15 or yeah, 4 30. you had to be in the locker room no later than 4 30 to get taped up and then you you ran over to the cook pavilion um in the middle of the winter and and you just ran from station to station and there was <laughs> trash trash cans where guys were just puking in these trash cans and uh guys started dropping like flies uh, because it was not any fun. So if you weren't completely invested in the team, uh, you, you you were waving the white flag. So that's one way to kind of weed some guys out.
3: Well, no doubt it's going to be a crazy weekend, so make sure you are on HuskerOnline.com as uh, we are going to have a lot of coverage in store as we anticipate the announcement of Scott Frost as Nebraska's next head coach.